Would you stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word as we go to the second book of Kings this morning? The sixth chapter of the second book of Kings, we're going to begin at uh, verse 1. And I want to share a message this morning, not uh, just for our graduates, it will be for them especially, but uh, for all of the body of Christ, as I believe God wants to speak to every one of our hearts. And it seems that from time to time we need a word that will encourage us to press on and to fight harder for the things that God has promised in our life. And so this morning, 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 1, it reads, Now behold, the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, The place before you where we are living is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan, and each of us take from there a beam, and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. So he said, Go. Then one said, Please be willing to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and took it. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? Father, we're so grateful this morning for the opportunity to be in the house of prayer. We ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask as well that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation. That in hearing your word we might be encouraged to serve you all the more. I ask for an encouragement of our faith this morning. That we might be a people who strive for great things for the glory of God. We ask that in Jesus' name and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to use the subject, don't lose your edge. Tell your neighbor this morning, don't lose your edge. One more time, don't lose your edge. Uh, we see this morning a passage that relates to an axe head. And so I want to use the axe head as an illustration or a, a metaphor for the importance of keeping a sharp edge in our Christian walk. And as these students have uh, graduated from high school and some of them from preschool uh, are going on to greater things, I want to encourage all of you not to lose your edge. But I also want to encourage the body of Christ that there is a constant need in our lives to keep a sharp edge in our spirit. I heard the story once about a young man. He took on a new job as a uh, as a lumberjack, and he was uh, ambitious. He wanted to cut down as many trees as he could, and so he began his job. And he told an older man that was working along with him. He said, uh, "He said, old timer, I bet by the end of the day that I will cut down more trees than you." And the old timer said, well, we'll see about that, son. So the day began, and they began chopping down trees. And after a while, the, the, the old man sat down and took a break, and the young man kept working. 
About a half hour or so later, the older man took another break, and the young man kept working. It seemed like every half hour, that, uh, that gentleman would take a break, and the, the young man just kept working through the day, and he thought, for sure, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a higher quota by the end of the day than he has. And so finally, the day had gone by. It was time to close down, and, and they started counting how many trees each of them had cut down. And it turned out that the, the older man, the old-timer, had uh, cut down more trees than the young man. And so now the young man was not only embarrassed because he had lost the bet, but he was also frustrated. And he said to the, to the old-timer, he said, uh, Oh, you know, sir, uh, how did you do it? How did you cut down more trees than me? Uh, seeing as how I didn't stop at all and you stopped every 30 minutes for a break. He said, Well, son, the thing is that every time I took a break, I was sharpening my axe. And so uh, every time that uh, you and I in life uh, start working at a project, we start working at a task, there has to be that constant sharpening of the axe. That young man was working hard, but with a dull axe. And you know that that is hard work, isn't it? And yet the, the old timer, as he called him, had learned the valuable lesson of not losing the edge, of keeping a sharp edge in your spiritual life. And so this morning, I want to share with you a few reasons, a few principles of how to keep a sharp edge in your spiritual life. Are you ready, church? The Word of God tells us, number one, that we always need to be growing. That's the first way to make sure you keep a sharp edge in your life. Always be growing. These men came to the prophet Elisha and they said to him, the place where we are is too small. Can you say that with me? Too small. They had a sense, they had a, a, a desire in their heart that said, I want more than I have today. There has got to be more to life than what I am seeing in the day-to-day -day experience. And so I want to grow. The place where I am is too small. If you want to keep a sharp edge in your life, you're going to have to have that mindset that says, I want to grow. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to increase. I want to do more. I want to do greater things for God. I want to achieve all that God has desired and designed for my life. Is there anybody here this morning that wants more? Do you ever just look at your life and say, this is great, but there must be more. I know that God has a blessing in store for my life. There must be more for me. When you wake up in the morning with that determination that says, I have to grow. I need to grow in my spiritual life. I need to grow in my finances. I need to grow in wisdom. I need to grow in grace. I can't stay stuck where I am. You're actually modeling the very nature of of the kingdom of God. You know that the kingdom of God, the culture, the DNA of the kingdom of God is increase. It's growth. Jesus said it like this. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds that are planted by the farmer. But when it is full grown, it becomes a tree into which even the birds make their nests. What was Jesus telling us about the kingdom of God? He was saying when God begins a work in a life, it always begins small. God's work in our hearts began small. It began with a little seed of faith. 
Somebody preached the gospel to you. It was a small seed that fell into your heart. Maybe you didn't even pay any mind or attention to it. But the Holy Spirit began to water that small seed of faith in your heart. And then something started happening in your life. And you started to say, you know what? Maybe this Jesus thing is real. And maybe I ought to go to church and find out what it's all about. And that little seed began to sprout into a little, a little uh, uh, sapling, a little, a little tree. And then eventually you started to grow in your spiritual life. And before you knew it, your mind was changed. Your vision was changed. The way you spoke was changed. The way you thought was changed. The things you did were changed. And all of your life was taken over by the leaven of the kingdom of God. All of your life was invaded by the grace and power of God. And then something else happened, didn't, didn't it? Because the kingdom kingdom doesn't just stay right there. It's spread over into your children, spread over into your husband, your wife, your family. And just watch out, devil, because before you know it, that whole family tree is going to be serving the Lord. Can I get some, some faith in the house of God this morning? God began small in your life, but he's not going to end small. So there are greater things that God has in store for every believer and when the believer wakes up in the morning and says, I have to grow, I've got to learn, I've got to get closer to God, I want to be all that God called me to be, you are reflecting the nature of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is a kingdom of increase. It grows. And so you and I have to make up our decision, the place where I am is too small. My prayer life is too small. My, my uh, worship life is too small. I want to gr grow in my worship. I want to grow in my prayer life. My, my knowledge of the word is too small. I've got to get the word in me. I've got to learn the Bible. You've got to make those decisions in your life. I want to grow. I want my finances to grow. I don't want to live in the projects all my life. I don't want to live in this apartment all my life. I want to grow. I want to do things that will expand the, 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 the resources of God in my life so that I can do all that God has intended for me to do. Is there anybody in here this morning that wants to grow? Now, I know I can hear some of you saying this, and I'm not a mind reader, okay, so not, not that kind of pastor, but uh, I, I just, I hear some of you saying this morning, Pastor, I'm really not in a growing mood. You know, I've been having a rough week. I've been having a rough month. As a matter of fact, this has been a rough year, okay? And I just don't have any time right now for projects and growth and, and vision. I just gotta, I'm just trying to survive, Pastor. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Well, let me tell you, every time that you decide to do something else for God, there's going to be a challenge in your life. There's going to be adversity in your life. So you might as well make up your mind, whether it's hailing or snowing or there's wind or there's rain or an earthquake, I am going to grow I'm going up in the name of Jesus. I don't care what's going on in my life. I have to get up, and I have to go up in Jesus' name. Is there anybody that wants to grow? So you leave that, that complacency aside and say, you know what? These challenges are going to be here whether I'm growing or not, so I might as well grow. Say amen, somebody. These hurdles are going to be there whether you are growing or not, so you might as well grow. You might as well reach and increase. They said the place where we are is too small. Now they show us the second thing to keep a sharp edge, and that was that they said to the prophet, we want to go 
and work. We want to go and chop down some trees so that we can make the place where we're living bigger. And here's the second thing you need to do in order to keep a sharp edge. You must always be willing to work. Oh, I didn't get any amens that time. That old bad word, W-O-R-K, right? I hate that word, Pastor. I don't want to hear about that word. Well, you see, if you want to grow, you're going to have to work for it. Every good thing in your life is going to require some hard work, some old-fashioned elbow grease. Let me hear from the saints in the house of God tonight. You know, I get, I get concerned sometimes about our younger generation because they like to have things given to them. They want it catered. But you know, the real good things in life don't come that easy. They come through hard work. They come through determination. They come through a set of, uh, of work ethic that says, I have the strength of God in my life, and whatever it takes, I'm going to uh, accomplish what God has set before me. Now, you and I, when you, when you and I come to a decision about that, we're going to be faced with the option of just being complacent, just settling for what we have. But we're not from the kingdom of this world. We're from the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God says we've got to grow. So there's got to be a, a, a passion in our heart that says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Is there anybody in here willing to do whatever it takes? Now, unfortunately, uh, you're not going to run into a college degree on, on the street, all right, guys? You just forget that idea. They're not going to just walk up to you one day and say, you have now achieved your Ph.D. You are a doctor now. They're not going to do that. You're going to, if you want any of those things in life, you're going to have to work for it. Say, work for it. So, you know, if you want a good marriage, you're going to have to. Is that true, married couples? Marriage is hard work. You say, Pastor, how do you know? I watch. <laughs> marriage is hard work, isn't it? And good marriages are even harder work. But you know what? If you put the work in at the beginning, things start working out real easy toward the end. Come on, somebody. You have to put the work in at the beginning. You want to you wanna have a, a successful job, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to show up to work early. You want that promotion, you got to show up to work early. Come on, you got to be the best employee on the job. You got to work at it. You got to make them miss you when you're gone. There's going to be a, there has to be a decision. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the hardest working person in this company. I'm going to be the hardest working person in this college. I'm going to be the hardest working person in this church because there is a, a, a mission to accomplish. There are goals to reach. God is going to give it to me, but he's going to give it to me when I put my hand to the plow and I go forward in the name of Jesus and I am going to have the things God says that I can have. Come on, somebody. So you want a job, you can't wait on the front porch for the job to show up in your life. You got to go out and work for it, find it, get it. They said we are willing to work. And I, I know to, this morning I'm speaking to the right crowd because I'm speaking to people who are willing to do what it takes to get the thing that God has promised you. And so long as you're willing to do that, you're going to go far. You're going to see God's blessing over your life. Now, they demonstrate the third thing. This is very important, the most important of all these things. How do you keep an edge? You have to 
Number one, be willing to grow. Number two, you need to be willing to work. But number three, you need to go with God. They said to the prophet, we want to grow and we are willing to work for it, but we won't go unless God goes with us. You see, they had an understanding that if God is with you, then no one can stand against you. If God is with you, then you're going to see, you're going to find success. You're going to find blessing. But you see, a lot of people try to go for it, and they go without God. And you know, they might find, they might have all the hard work and all the increase that they want, but at the end of the day, there is that gaping hole in the heart without God. You and I cannot afford to live one minute without the presence of God. We need the presence of God in our life. And God is ready and willing to go with us, but he requires of us that that decision of our heart that says, God, I won't go without you. I have to have your presence. I have to have you in my life. And so I advise you this morning to seek the wisdom and the presence of God in every decision that you make. Before you decide what college to go to, you talk to God. Before you decide which job to take, talk to God. Before you decide who to marry, come on for goodness sake, talk to God. Before you make those decisions that you're going to live with for the rest of your life, talk to God. Get God's wisdom. Get God's knowledge and insight on that situation. Because there are some people in this room who are thinking right now, if only I had talked to God. If I had just listened to God, I would have spared my life some trouble. Anybody in here this morning know what I'm talking about? But you see, you can make that decision right now and say, Lord, I'm not taking another step without your presence. The Bible said in the, in the, in the journey of the nation of Israel through the wilderness, that while they were journeying through the wilderness, that they, uh, they began to grumble and complain against God, and they provoked the Lord to anger so much that the Lord said to Moses, he said, I will give them the the land that I promised, and I'm going to give them houses they didn't dig, uh, build and wells they didn't dig, but I will not go with them. I'm going to send them alone. They can have all the promises, but I'm not going with them. And Moses, the pastor of Israel, came before the Lord in intercession, and he said, Lord, if you don't go with us, do not lead us up from here. Moses was, uh, was conscious of this fact. He said, God, what do we want your promises for if we can't have you? What do we want the house for if we can't have peace in that house? What do we want the money for if we can't have peace in our finances? What do we want the, 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 the marriage for if we can't have peace in the marriage? What do we want the children for if they don't have your blessing? If you don't go with us, we won't go. Come on, somebody. God is looking for some people that will say, Lord, I will not go unless you lead, unless you take me there. I've got to have your presence. I've got to have your provision in my life. The Lord came back and told Moses, I will go with you. And those are God's words to you this morning. I will go with you. You seek my direction. You seek my wisdom. You seek my insight. I'll go with you. I'll be present among you. I'll give you favor. I'll show you the way. I'll open doors for you. And when you and I make up that decision, I'm not going without God. There are going to be opportunities in, in our lives to make decisions without God. You have to make it a habit to always say, Lord, what do you say about this? What is your, what is your direction in this matter?
So you have, to, you have to keep your edge by keeping yourself in the presence of God. That's why I'm glad you came to church this morning. Because you know that this is the place of blessing. This is where it begins. This is the place where your spirit is renewed and refreshed. This is the place where your life is changed. This is the place where your heart is molded to be like and shaped unto Christ. And so as you make a decision to be in God's presence, God will take care of the rest. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. Now we see that this, this account takes a turn because the Bible said that these men wanted to grow, they wanted to build the, the school of the prophets, make it greater, make it bigger. So they were willing to work and they had God's approval, they had God's blessing. But now they came to the fourth thing you have to do. You have to be willing to take a risk. You know, God is a God who honors the risk of faith. You know, really, I think the, another word in the Bible for risk could be the word faith. I think we could read it like this. Without risk, it is impossible to please God. Faith is a risk. Faith is when you step out on something that's not there. Faith is when you make a decision to follow God, to obey God, when the circumstances are telling you the other thing to do. And these men took a risk of faith. One of them, in fact, took a very significant risk. He was obviously not very well off because he didn't have an axe and uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't prepared for the growth. He wasn't prepared to go and achieve anything that God had set before him to do. So he went and he borrowed an axe. He went and he borrowed a tool. And while he, he did that, he took a risk, didn't he? Because he was not rich enough to afford an axe, and now he's borrowed one, so he's in debt. And so he has, he has made a decision, I'm going to step out and trust God on this thing. I'm going to trust God in this matter. But while he was working, there he was, uh, chopping away at that tree, and suddenly the axe head fell off of the axe and fell into the river. And the axe head sunk to the bottom of that river, and he cried out and he said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. You know, right there, you guys you may not understand this just yet, but the adults understand what that means. When a man cries out and says, uh-oh, everything I just sunk my fortune into just sunk to the bottom of the river. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? His heart dropped. His spirit dropped. He probably turned white. He thought I was broke before and now I'm in debt and when he took that risk of faith adversity came into his life circumstances began to contradict the thing that God had promised to his life God approved this thing, didn't he? God said, I will go with you. But just because God was present didn't mean there wouldn't be any challenges in his life. And I'm looking at some people this morning who you have, you have put a whole lot into something and then all of a sudden it just seemed like it fell through in your hands and you're wondering, God, if you don't do something, I am going to die out here. I need a miracle. Is there anybody in here this morning that just needs a miracle? I said, anybody here that just needs a miracle, like if God doesn't show up by Monday, things are going to get real serious. This man needed a miracle. 
He took a risk of faith. And this is now where I want you, to, you and I to be this morning. He stepped out into a place where only God could help him. And when you do that, you have entered into miracle territory. When you step out into a place where only God can help, that's miracle territory right there. So long as you're operating in the place that you can control, there's, not, there's, there's no room for the miraculous there. But when you step beyond what you can control, you have now stepped into the miraculous. You stepped into a place where God can work, where God can show off in your life. He said, alas, master, it was borrowed. I'm in real trouble now. Now, I want to just tell you something. When you have a setback like that in your life, and you will, there are some things that you need to keep in mind. Number one, when you have a setback, you can't give up. If you gave up after every setback, you never would have gotten past kindergarten. There are going to be setbacks in your life. There are going to be some troubles in your life. There are going to be some situations in life that just don't make any sense. But when you find yourself up against a setback, you have to decide, I am going forward. I can't quit here. I can't give up. The next thing you have to decide is, I can't settle. This man could have said, well, I tried, I failed, I'm going home, and I'm going to stay back in my small place and do the little thing I was doing before. But you see, you can't settle. You've got to decide, whatever it takes, I'm going forward. Whatever it takes, I'm getting out of here. Whatever it takes, I'm going to believe God until I see his hand at work in my life and on my behalf. And he, he decided to call on God. He decided to call on the prophet, and the prophet came to him. And he, he gave him a very simple remedy. The prophet said, tell me where the axe head fell. Now, this is an important principle right here. When you have lost your edge, you've lost your edge in your spiritual life. There's no hunger for God. There's no hunger for the presence of God. There's no desire for worship. You're not even sure you want to be in church. You start facing the struggle for your spiritual life. You've lost your edge in your, in your finances and you're trying to find your way back or you've lost your edge in your marriage or you've lost your edge in your relationships. What you have to do is call on God and God always takes you back to the place where you fail. Now, that, that, that doesn't always, we don't, that always doesn't always feel good. We don't like to be taken back to the place where we failed. We don't like to be taken back to the place where we got off track. But you see, God always takes us back to the point where we got off track. And this morning, he says to you, if you've lost your edge in your spiritual life, you've lost your edge in your Christian walk, he said, let's go back to the place where you lost it. Let's get back into that, into that place where you, where you lost the thing that you, that you thought uh, you, you couldn't afford to lose and you lost it anyway. Let's go back to that place where you left prayer, that place where you left seeking God, that place where you abandoned worship, usually it happens gradually. It happens as a, as a simple thing. It happens one thing after another. You, you, don't leave, you don't leave the house of God overnight. Some people, they, they don't come back next Sunday. They come back the following. And then it's every other Sunday. And then it's every once a month. And then it's once every three months. And then it's once on Christmas. 
And, and before they know it, they're as far from God as a piece of driftwood in the sea. Wandering. It doesn't happen all at once. But God says, let's go back to the place and let's restore the thing that was lost. Let's rebuild from that place. Did you lose something? Let's go find it. Did you lose your courage? Let's go find it. Did you lose your faith? Let's go find it. Did you lose your passion? Let's go find it. Did you lose your fire for God? Let's go find it and let's restore that thing. And he said to the, he said to the man, show me where it happened. And when you can come to God and make that kind of confession and say, Lord, this is where it happened in my life. This is where I messed up. This is how, this is how I lost track of things. This is, this is what happened. I got away from the word. I got away from prayer. I got away from church. I got away from worship. I got away from the fellowship. I should have been in my small group, but I got away from those things. And you come back to God and say, God, this is how I got away. I got away from the teachings of my mama and my daddy. I got a teaching for, away from the teaching of the word. I got into the wrong crowd. I got in with the wrong people. And you come back and you say, God, this is where I failed. This is how I messed up. I got into the wrong things in my life. I started doing drugs. I started mismanaging my money. I started having the wrong attitude about life and when you come back and you make that confession to God, God says alright buddy now we can work, now can we, we can repair this thing, now we can heal the broken part of your life and he took a stick and I just want to briefly say how important this stick was, it was just an ordinary stick, but that stick was an Old Testament shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ it was an Old Testament picture of the cross. He took that piece of wood which represented Jesus and he threw it into the river. He threw it into the place where the brokenness had happened, where the failure had occurred. And when he did that, the Bible said that axe head began to float. Listen now. There's some iron in your life it's not supposed to float. People have spoken over it and said, that's never going to work. That marriage isn't going to work. That family isn't going to make it. That kid's never going to be out of trouble. The, the, they're never going to be on top again. And maybe they've spoken over your life and said, you're always going to be at the bottom. You're always going to be a loser. You're always going to be broken. You're always going to be uh, the, abu the abused. You're always going to be the victim. But you see, friend, when you get Jesus into your life, Jesus will turn those things around and he'll make iron float. He'll do the impossible in your life. Come on, somebody. He will turn things around in your life. And when you and I get, get around to noticing what God has done, we'll say, wait a minute, that wasn't supposed to work. I wasn't supposed to survive. I wasn't supposed to make it. I wasn't supposed to break out. I wasn't supposed to break loose. But look what the Lord has done in my life. Look at the grace of God on my life. Come on, somebody. God, has, has anybody done something that you weren't supposed to do? Survive something you weren't supposed to survive? You walked away from an accident that should have killed you. God made the iron float in your life. Come on, somebody. God's hand was in your life. And now when people look at you, they think. I 
I remember one of my brother's teachers, Pastor Anthony, those of you who know him, he's a, my eldest brother, is a pastor in Kennedy. One of his teachers said to me one day, what's Anthony up to? And you'd have to have known Anthony in high school to know what this question meant. What's Anthony up to? I said, he's pastoring a church. His jaw about dropped to the ground. You need help with that, sir? That's how it is. People look at your life after Christ. They look at your life after you've taken the cross into your life, after the blood has had his effect on your life, after Jesus has had his say in your life. They look at your life and they can't get their jaw off the ground because it's not possible for you to be where you are but by the grace of God. Come on, somebody, but by the grace of God. Some of you would have lost your mind if it had not been for Jesus. You'd be bankrupt if it had not been for Jesus. You'd be in prison if it had not been for Jesus. You'd be in the ground if it had not been for Jesus. But Jesus came into your life. Jesus rescued you. Jesus raised you up. Hallelujah. And today, if you're at the bottom of the river, you're at the bottom of the waters of life. You say, Pastor, I have sunk as low as I've ever been this morning. I am as down as I've ever been. I am as broken as I've ever been. Let me tell you, take Jesus and he will bring you up. Come to Jesus and he will bring you up. He is the one who is able to raise up the fallen and to restore his life. Keep a sharp edge. But when you've lost your edge, there's still hope. I said there's still hope. Keep a sharp edge, but if you've lost your edge, there's still hope. He took that stick and threw it into that water, and the iron began to float. And God showed off in the life of a man who was willing to take a risk of faith and say, I believe God. And I believe that where I am is not all that God has for me. There must be more. There must be more. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask these graduates to come up to the altar, please, if you would. You have just taken one step toward the future that God has for you. And I just want to be very, real honest with you. Some of the things you think are real important right now. They're not as important as you think. Some of the people you think you can't live without, they won't be in your life in a year from now. All right, this is just the truth. Some of the things that childhood led you to believe were important, adulthood will sober you up. And you're going to realize that wasn't as important as I thought. But there's one decision you've made which will be the wisest decision of them all. The decision to walk with God. That one you'll never regret. That one will grow sweeter every day. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child, but then I became a man. I grew up, and I put away childlike things, childish things. Today, I challenge you 
as you put away childish things to make that decision in your life. God, I want all that you have for me. I want to keep my edge sharp. I want to be as on fire for God in one year as I am today. I want to be more on fire for God in five years than I am today. I want to be on fire for God my whole life. I don't ever want to lose my edge. Make that decision in your mind. God, I want to help people who've lost their edge come back to the cross, come back to the word. And this morning, we want to pray God's blessing on your life. We want to pray God's blessing on your future. I'm going to ask the rest of the graduates who were up here earlier, would you come please as well? We're going to pray a special prayer on them. But I want to invite the congregation this morning because I know there's some, some of you this morning who are saying, Pastor, I know there's more for me too. And I am willing to work. I'm willing to do the things that need to be done in order to see all of God's blessing on my life. And you say, Pastor, I've been facing some adversity in my life. I've been facing some adversity in my family. But I want to go forward. I want to fight for what God has promised me. I want you just to come out of your pew and just come in this, into this altar as an act of faith that says, God, only you can make the iron float in my life. I'm counting on it this morning. I need you to work a miracle on my behalf. Come on, if you say, Pastor, I, I need God's intervention in my life. I know there's more for me. I know God has more for me. And I know that he's going to help me if I'll call on him. I'm going to ask the elders to come as well. We're going to pray with these graduates, but we're also going to pray with these who've come into this altar call. You may be facing an impossible situation, but you have a God who works with the impossible. Nothing is too hard for God. No challenge is too great for God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, your people, come into your house this morning with this confidence. We are persuaded that you have more for us than we have even dreamed. You desired of Kingsway Church that we would be a mighty church, a soul-winning church, a church on mission, a church dedicated to the purposes of God, and so we are. We pray, oh God, that you would give us a heart that says always we want more. We say, oh God, the place where we are is too small, and we want more. We want to do greater things for you. Today, by faith, we put ourselves in a place, in a position to say, God, in spite of the adversity, in spite of the challenges that we may face, we want to see your hand at work in our families. Do the impossible, oh God, on our behalf. God, I pray for these graduates this morning. I thank you for their life. I thank you that when they, when they were discouraged, you encouraged them. I thank you that when they failed... They got back up and tried again. I thank you today that they have dreams and visions in their heart of what they will do for the glory of God. I thank you that their heart beats with a passion 
for God's glory in their generation. And if it be not so, I declare it shall be so in the name of Jesus. And I pray, O oh God, that you would give them a courage and a tenacity to face life with absolute determination to see you do in them what you have promised. I come against every scheme of the devil who would try to discourage them or to rob them of their faith. And we receive by faith this morning that blessing of Almighty God that you would be upon them, bless them and keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Come on, open your mouth in prayer this morning. Fight for it. <laughs> 